Well, it's so awesome to have Pastor Tim Guptill with us today. It's going to be great to have him bringing the word. And Pastor Tim served here from 2007 to uh, 2012, and he was our lead pastor and, and helped us uh, to really push forward and, and helping us to make it uh, invitable. Is that a word? I think so. And uh, it's so awesome to have him join with us today. He's serving uh, on Graham and Ann at our Wesleyan Church there, the Lighthouse. Tim loves coffee. And he even let me come over to the island and, uh, and share in worship just a few weeks ago. And, and I'm just uh, really excited for what's going on. Thank you so much for serving with us and bringing the word today. Please welcome Pastor Tim. John and I go back to when we both had hair. That's how far back we go. We were outside there together this morning greeting people, and we had to come inside because we were blinding people. And uh, good morning, Cross Points. Great to see you. It's great to be here. Gayla and I agree. Gayla's here. We're, oh, she loves being pointed out. She's back there. Um, we, Gayla and I agree that our best ministry memories of uh, the past almost 30 years now that we've been in ministry our best ministries, are, our best memories are right here. And uh, we have just, just fond, warm, fond, good, fuzzy memories of our time here uh, at Crosspoint. This is the place, uh, probably of all the places where we've lived, this is the place that feels uh, most like home to us. And uh, ministry families, uh, similar for us, our journey has been similar to like a military family where we've you know, we've gone to serve in multiple places as the Lord has led us, um, but this place feels good, feels like home, and don't tell all the other churches, but we like you more. <laughs> Is this being videotaped? Can we edit that? Can we edit that? Dave Rowe says no. Um, no, but you loved us like family. You embraced massive amounts of change. I come in, and I remember the Sundays when we first started to black out the windows because of all the uh, investment we had done in lighting and things like that, and people were coming in, and what's going on? You know, get those off of there and ripping them down and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, good times. But you embraced... <laughs> you embraced massive amounts of change... And that, I don't know if you realize it or not, but, but the changes that you embraced made a difference around Atlanta, Canada, as other churches took notice and started to make changes as well. Um, you put up with us, and we just had a blast uh, living here and serving with you, but you're not perfect, <laughs> right? And neither are, are we. There are no perfect churches because... Somebody shows up and unlocks the door, and it goes downhill, like, fast. Because people like us, myself included, come in, and, and we all bring our, our stuff, and it gets messy really quick. So we're going to talk about uh, this thing called church this morning and, uh, and why it's important. What makes a, a good church, or what can make a good church a great church? Uh, what are the things, what, what's the, the stuff that, that can make church such a valuable experience that you would not miss it for anything. And is it even possible to have that kind of a church experience? 
Um, now, if, you're, if you were starting a church from scratch, if you were starting your church, you know, you could make it whatever you wanted it to be, right? Um, and as Paul, the Apostle Paul and the other church planters were, were starting this thing called church, they had that, they had that opportunity. They literally were on the, the ground floor of this. And so they, they just kept preaching and speaking and encouraging into these churches um, how, to, how to worship together, how to function together, how to put up with each other, how to live with one another in such a way that, that your group, your collection of Christ followers can be um, another thing. This is not a word either, John, but can be attractional. It can be uh, irresistible. It, there's a way that, that you can do church that, can, that the community can notice and can say, wow, there's, there's, there's something there that is, that is really um, attractive. And so these letters that we read in the New Testament, oftentimes it's Paul encouraging young churches on how to be church, how to, how to, how to, how to do church, how to be Christ-like. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Colossians this morning, and so I just want to remind you as we read our text that when you read the book of Colossians, um, Paul had never met these people. Paul is in a prison somewhere. We're not, we, we think it's Rome, but we don't really know where he is. Uh, Epaphras, his buddy Epaphras, is the church planter, and Epaphras is traveling to visit Paul and giving him reports. And so Paul says, here, take this letter back to them. They would have received the letter um, and said to everybody, hey, we got a new letter from Paul. Let's all get together. And they would have read this letter over and over and over and over and over. And uh, so this letter called Colossians is to a church in the city of Colossae. And Paul is encouraging them uh, how to make a difference in their community, how to, how to be this thing called church in a way that is irresistible. Um, a church that you would never want to miss. A church that, you know, when they open the doors, you want to be there because it adds value to your, to your life. Church should not be detrimental to your faith. There are a lot of people who have had, myself included, bad church experiences to the point where, uh, it, it, like, church shouldn't, shouldn't, Hurt your faith. Church is meant to build up your, your faith. And there are far too many people who have been messed up by church, and it makes me mad, and, and we can change that. Okay, here we go. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, where Paul says to these friends of his he's never met, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. In verse 1, Paul uses this uh, word, agonized. He says, I want you to know how much I have agonized uh, for you. Now, I, as a, a pastor, I have been um, agonized by churches before. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
like a different kind of agonized, like, oh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been put in agony. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I've had, I've had a bad church experience and I've had churches agonize me before. I've, you know, I've gone there and, and uh, instead of awe, it was awe, <laughs> you know. And, um, and the church should never cause that kind of agony in your life. But Paul, when he uses the word agony, he's referring to a, uh, kind of a, a holy straining for the other person's good. Like, I just want you to do good. You know, I just, I just, I just want, I so want good things to be happening in your lives and in your, and in your church. It's, it's a yearning, a, a deep down strenuous prayer uh, from, a, from the gut, hoping, wanting to see God's absolute best in someone else's life. So Paul is agonizing for these people uh, who he's, he's never met. How much greater should our love and our depth of concern and our affection be for people we have met? Like, Paul's depth of prayer just all oh, those people, and he doesn't even know them. He's never met them. And how much more should our love and our, okay, now keep it in context. I'm talking about a way to do church that, that shows your community that Jesus is alive. Like, it, it's just irresistible. It's, a, it's invitable. It's attractional. Should we not have that kind of good agonizing, yearning, that, that gut-level straining prayer for one another. Paul is teaching you how to love one another, how to do church in such a way that it's, there's, nothing like it in, there's nothing like it in the world. Like, if you go to church and those people love you like you have never been loved before, are you going back? This is yes. This is, you're going back. If you get a love in the church like you just cannot get anywhere else, there's something about that. Like, man, they're opening the doors. I'm going again. I'm, I just can't get enough of that stuff. Well, this is what Paul is telling us that, that church should be like, an, an agonizing um, for others, a level of, of love and prayer for one another that just makes church um, a no-brainer. Okay, love for others by people who love Jesus, love for others by people who love Jesus is more attractional, if there's school teachers here, sorry that I keep using that word, that's not a word. Love for others by people who love Jesus is more attractional, it's more invitable than any Anything else you can do than any amount of marketing or money you could spend uh, or noise or social media or catchphrases. Or it, that love for others is the, is the most invitable, attractional thing that you can do. There is a way to love others, to agonize for them, to love them so deeply that is beyond what people can find anywhere else. And Paul, he's just so we know that... You know, I mean, I mean, he lived this out. 
He's not just saying, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's, a, you know it's a good idea. I mean, he, he really did this. He, he truly, uh, he would forgive anyone who cursed him. He forgave and loved and, and uh, came right back to the people who, who beat him and, or chained him or incarcerated him. They would drag Paul out of town and stone him. Do you think he's dead? Poke him. Yeah, I think he's dead. Good. Let's leave him there to rot outside the city. And they would go back into town. <laughs> Paul, would, Paul would shake it off, feel better, and, and go where, he'd go right back into the same town. Hi, guys. I'm back. So let's keep talking about this Jesus I was telling you about. You know, the guy that you, you beat me about, I want to tell you about him. And they'd beat him and chain him and drag him out of town. And he'd, whoop, he'd hi, guys, I'm back. Because, of, because he knew um, how much he had been forgiven. Forgiven people forgive people. Yes? When you know what Christ has saved you from and what Christ has forgiven you from, then you can, you, can, you can forgive others. And if you're not agonizing for your church and for others, um, you might be part of the problem. Moving right along. Uh, Paul mentions three things that he wants to be true for these, for these little house churches, these groups of people in the city of Colossae. He wants them to be encouraged, and he wants them to be knit together in love, and he wants them to have complete confidence in Jesus. He wants the church, this is us, to be encouraged. He wants them to be knit together in love, and he wants them to have complete confidence in Jesus. Church should be positive. Church should be unconditional. And church should be all about Jesus. We should lift each other up. We should love others. And we should love Jesus. Those are the three things. Did you follow it? I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be knit together in love. I want them to have complete confidence in Jesus. We should lift each other up. That's encouraged. We should love others. That's, that's uh, knit together in love. And I want them to love Jesus. It's pretty simple when you say it that way, but it's really hard to do. And if you get this right, this uh, lift each other up, love others and love Jesus. If you get this right, cross point, people will come to your church. And if you get this wrong, people would rather stay home and bat their cats. <laughs> right? They would. Verse 2, where he says, I want them, the church, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Jesus Christ himself. So I want them to be encouraged. Let's talk about that for a second. The Greek word that Paul uses uh, for encourage is the word parakaleo, P-A-R-A-K-A-L-E-O, parakaleo. And we would best translate parakaleo as strengthened in their hearts. Now heart, that word heart, when it's used in scripture, uh, most often refers to the, the center, the core of who you are, the core of your personality. Your heart is the place where your decisions are made, where you're shaped and transformed. It's the real you. And Paul 
agonizes for others to be increasingly stronger in their core, to be getting stronger all the time in their, in their heart, in their core, in the mighty power of Jesus. Uh, coming to church, if you uh, attend church on a, and, and you're involved in a group of Christ followers like this, you should be getting stronger all the time. Something about this, the worship, the hearing of the word, the serving others and loving others in good coffee, something about that should be making you stronger all the time. Church should not be detrimental to your faith. Church should be building you up and uh, in, in your core, in the mighty power of Jesus, always learning and growing. And, and you, you stumble, we all do. You get back up and you make better decisions all the time. And, and as you do that, you're, you're being transformed, Scripture says. You're, 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 you're growing increasingly into the image of Christ. Less like your old self, somebody say amen, and more like the person Christ um, created you to be. So right or wrong, uh, people are watching the church. You know this to be true. Right or wrong, to see what, if any, difference Jesus makes in our lives. Does Jesus make a difference in our lives? It's like you know I think the right answer is supposed to be yes. People, if, if you go to work tomorrow and someone says, how was your weekend and what did you, what did you do? And you mentioned you, go, you went to church. Um, they're going to watch you to see, you know, is there any difference between you and me? I don't go to church, but you do, so what? You know, does it make any difference in your, in your life? And I think it's fair for people, I think it's fair for people to expect if you go to church, you call yourself a Christ follower, for them to expect there to be something different about, about you. Um, and obviously, we don't, you know, you tell people, don't look at us because we're just, we're just humans and whatever. You know, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, but people do look at us. It's reasonable to expect Christians to be Christ-like uh, in a in an ever-increasing way that you're, you're becoming more and more Christ-like all the time. So for this church in Colossae, against all the pressures that they were facing, and they were a young church, obviously, and they were facing some pressures, Paul wants their, their core to be, to be strengthened. Um, he wants the resolve, their, their, their commitment to this thing of, of living together with other Christians. He wants their commitment to be, to be strengthened and encouraged. It was encouraging to me this morning to be here as, as y'all y'all came to church, and I saw so many faces who were here when we were here last year, many, many years ago. And I, and I was thinking to myself, they're, they're committed. You know, they're still here. They, they, they haven't drifted away or stopped coming for whatever reason. And, and that, that resolve um, encouraged me this morning. Um, so hearing me say this uh, won't change the way that you live. Just hearing me say that Paul wrote to this church for them to be encouraged 
That is not going to change the way you live. You, individually, responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit will change the way that you, that you live. All right. Second part of this verse, he says, I want them to be knit together by strong ties of love. Paul's first great desire for them is that they be strengthened in their spirit. And his second is that they be woven together in love. If I was looking for a church, I would look for a church where the people's faith was, was real and, and alive. And I would look for a church where love was off the charts. Gayla and I have visited a lot of churches uh, in our time. And sometimes you can, walking into a strange church, it's like walking into the wrong family reunion. Right? You're like, I just, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. That ain't right. Right? That, you know, like, when someone, if somebody starts, if somebody shows up here for the first time, you know how much courage that takes? And how many times that morning they've tried, they've, they've been talking themselves out of going and trying to think of all the reasons why not today, maybe next week, not today, maybe. Like to come into a group of people like this where you might not know anyone is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And if I was looking for a church, I would look for one that wasn't just self-centered on itself, but its, its faith is alive and active in the community, and I would look for one where their love was off the charts. And when I came through the door, I could, I could just pick that up. I could feel it. There was something different about that group of people. Um, the image of love being knit, uh, a church being being woven together. It's a way of Paul suggesting that, that churches should, should, should have unity. There should be a, a bond in this thing called where we're all, we're all woven in. And we cannot be easily uh, frayed and torn apart and separated. It's a similar phrase. Um, it's similar to the phrase held together, which is an image of how our bodies, um, Scripture often uses uh, the body to talk about as an illustration of the church, and it held together the way that our bodies are, are connected with tissue and ligaments and uh, stuff. Stuff is a very technical medical term. I don't expect everyone to, to get it, but um, we're, you're... you're most of us, our physical is, is held together, and the church is supposed to be held together. And to make sure that we don't miss how important this is, he says it again in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, where Paul said, above all, above all, and all in the original Greek means all. He says, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. If you went into a, a church, if you were looking for a church and you went in and it just felt, you could, you could feel the tension dripping, you know, you're like, get me out of here. Um, this should be one of the most beautiful things of the church, this unity, because um, we're all different, right? We are all different with different preferences and experiences and backgrounds, everything. And 
we come together like this with all of our differences, with all of that, and like different strands of wool were woven together into this, this uh, tapestry of, of love and were centered around Jesus and were centered around the, the, the unchanging core doctrines of our faith. And that unity of love makes the church stronger and it makes you stronger and it makes our witness stronger. And um, if, if a church... The opposite, if a church looks like it's all frayed around the end edges and it's full of knots and, uh, or it looks like it's ready to break under any amount of strain, um, that's who, nobody wants to go to a church like that. So unity, this woven together gang, how do, there's only one way that we can do that. And it's, Paul said it's centered around Christ. And the way that you do that is when you come through the doors, um, in love, you decide to choose and support what is best for the greater good. That's, that's not easy to do because most of us come and say, I want what I want. It really, truly is all about me and my needs and my preferences and, uh, and all of that. But, but, but love says, I want what's best for all of us. Uh, what's best for the body. Love does not have to have its own way. Love will sacrifice its preferences for the greater good. And you have to be careful when you leave here how you, how you talk about your church. Right? Um, the body language that you use about your church. Just a, a roll of the eyes or a, can, can drive somebody else, you know, away from church forever. Like, you've got to be so careful how you talk about your church. Um, your, your optimism about your church, your enthusiasm about your church, uh, you, can, you can do a lot of good, or you, or you, can, you can do some terrible, terrible harm. And, and love chooses good. And Paul says we can be knit Together And Paul's third great desire for the church in Colossae and, uh, is that they would have complete confidence in Jesus. And that thought dovetails with verse 3 of our text that we read this morning. Verse 3 is the Mount Everest of the book of Colossians. It's what Paul's life is all about. It's what his ministry is all about. It's what his letter is all about. It's what scripture is all about. It's what history is all about. It's why you exist. It's what everything is all about. In verse 3, Paul says, Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need. In him, he says, in him, speaking of Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him lie all, everything. If you go back, if you want to do your homework, um, back and read chapter 1 this afternoon. Chapter 1, what Paul does in chapter 1 is he lifts Jesus high. And he says there is no other. It was all made for him. It was all made by him. It was all made about him. He is the ultimate. And that's what he does in chapter, in chapter 1. Now Paul says, I want the church to have complete confidence in this. 100% complete confidence that Jesus is all. He's 
everything. He, it's all for him. It's all about him. Jesus is the one truth that you can build your life on and around. He's the foundation. He, he is the source of life. Uh, you can build your family around Jesus. You can build your career around Jesus. You can build your home around Jesus. You can build your future around Jesus. You can center your marriage around Jesus. You can make your decisions around Jesus. You don't need anything else. You can stop searching. You can stop striving. You can stop trying to fill all, the, all those other holes of your life. You can stop spiritual searching into all other sorts of mysticism or religions or whatever. You can stop because Jesus is everything. Paul says he is all. He's all you need. He has all you need. There is nothing that you need that Jesus cannot supply. And the Colossians, they were... They were in the minority in their city. They were, they were risking literally their lives. They were risking all to follow Jesus. They were, they were baptized publicly against every amount of, of, of risk, against losing their family, losing their work, being physically persecuted, incarcerated, anything. And still they said, yeah, I'm, I'm his. I'm, I will follow him. And uh, they were in a hyper-secular society where people worshipped almost anything. A lot of people worshipped the emperor. You know, whoever was emperor at the time, he's God. Bow to him and, and worship him. And Paul wants them to know that uh, Jesus, Jesus really is everything. He's, he's all. And Paul says that Jesus is like hidden treasure. And once you find him, once you've found new life in Jesus, you can keep going to this hidden treasure and, and there is eternal supply. You know, so when you're, um, when you're tired, you can go to Jesus for strength, and he's always there, and he's all you need. When life is stressful, and you're, you just want to snap, break, or run away, or whatever, you want to take something to help, you know, help you get through this, you can go to this hidden treasure that you found that's called Jesus, and Paul says his supply is eternal. It'll never run out, and it'll, he will be, he is all that you need. Verse 3, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, Paul says, I'm telling you this, the reason why this is important, I'm telling you this, is so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Um, the reason you need to be encouraged and knit together in love and 100% focused on Jesus is so that, Paul says, is so that you will not be deceived. There are many, many things in this world that will try to deceive you. Um, and you got to be careful. There are, there, are, there are friends of yours or family who, will, who, who might try to deceive you or persuade you or, or discourage you or, or just things that you can get caught up in that uh, maybe you didn't even intend. But, but over time, it just, it just slowly pulls you away from Jesus. You just kind of do a, 
a drift away from Jesus, and you have to be careful. It can be, it can be very, very subtle, some of these things. And, and you, know, uh, you, know, you know probably the lies, the things that you are susceptible to, the things that tend to pull you away. And you've got to be careful about those things. And Paul is, is cautioning us and encouraging us not to be deceived by anything that wants to turn down the temperature of Jesus in your life. By anything that wants to, to, to cool off your fire for Jesus. Paul says, listen, don't let that happen to you. You keep your fire burning bright. You know when your fire for Jesus is hot and you know when it's cold. And I echo Paul's words this morning. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you. Um, you're in a... You're in a different season as a church. We are on Graham and Ann too. We, uh, we merged three Wesleyan churches, three small churches into one, and we're building a new, a new facility. And uh, part of the deal when they merge these three um, fairly traditional churches is that nobody gets to keep their property and nobody gets to keep their pastor. And, and then and you're getting guptal, you're stuck with him, and we're going to build a new church. And it's an interesting season, and you're in a you're you know you're in a season here right now. God will God will bring you through that as well. But it's a it's a time when you as a church we're we're talking about this thing called church. Why is it important? Why am I here? This is a time when you need to focus on those three things that Paul mentioned. To focus on your on your on your on your love and being knit together in the, the unity that this church cannot be torn apart. You will not be torn apart, and, and you'll be strengthened in your core for, for Christ, and you will be encouraged because Jesus is all. Ah, oh, to see God has still, I'm glad you're doing baptisms today, Pastor John, because um, there are many uh, lives that still need to be transformed by the power of Jesus. There are chains that need to be broken. And uh, we want to see the power of the resurrected Jesus alive in the hearts of our friends and our family. The band is going to come out and lead us in a, in a song of response this morning. I hope this has been uh, encouraging to you. That was my goal, was to, to encourage you this morning. How do we do this? This, this? How do we live this Colossians chapter 2? Well, you can't do this with half a fire for Jesus. And you can't do this if, if, if you're distracted. And you can't do this if you're disgusted. And you can't do this if you are complacent in your faith. Um, in order to be this kind of a church that the community notices, this kind of a church that... Uh, takes the transforming power of Jesus out into the world, you, you've, you've got to, this has to be a priority. You've got to have a holy discontent about these things. And like I said earlier, I can't decide this for you. I'm not the Holy Spirit. It takes a group of people knit together that decides that nothing is more important than Jesus. Yes? Let's pray together. God, I thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the power uh, of these words that you breathed into your servant, Paul. And 
and uh, he said, here, let me, let me write down some things to encourage those people. And the Holy Spirit uh, breathed into him. And we have these words for us today to encourage us. And I, I thank you for Crosspoint. I thank you for its, uh, its impact in Marysville and the greater Fredericton area. And I know, God, that you have great, great uh, plans for this church. And maybe there's someone here this morning that just needed to be encouraged. Uh, they just needed somebody to say, hang in there. Be, be strengthened. Uh, maybe somebody's looking for love and they, and they came here this morning. They're like, they just realized again how important this place is in their lives. And um, so, God, would you help Crosspoint to be this, this kind of a church, a Colossians-type church? We ask and pray these things in your name. Amen.